church leaders, welcome to the CEO Pastor Podcast. My name is Cindy, and I am your host for today's episode. My goal is to provide the management expertise every church leader needs to produce the ministry experience every church leader wants. We'll skip the jargon and cliches and focus on ideas that will help you accomplish the church's mission in your unique ministry context. Ready? Let's go. I get into the topic for today's episode, I just wanted to give an explanation as to why I was missing last week. I had some kind of terrible digestive problems. I'll leave that to your imagination. And I was terribly sick, so I was not fit for recording any kind of episode last week. So I, my apologies, and we'll get into it for this week, and hopefully we'll just motor right along and everything will be fine. Just in case anyone's wondering, it wasn't COVID, I got tested, but I did have some unusual symptoms, so I will be going to the doctor this week to see if we can get those checked out. But hopefully everything will just go along just like normal from now on. With that being said, let's get into today's topic. And today's topic is performance planning for teams. So before you can start evaluating the individuals on your team, you have to give them an idea of what exactly you're going to be evaluating. It's only fair that when you're giving feedback, the person knows what you're going to be looking for before they try to do the job. It's not very easy to make somebody happy when you don't know what they want. So first, you need to have a job description for a particular role in your organization. So the things that make up a good job description Some of them are pretty obvious. First is the job title, and you don't need to be too fancy about this, just something that's fairly self-explanatory. Who the person reports to, and then this is the important stuff, a brief overview of the job itself, so like a three or four sentence description of the job. If there's things that you can point to that signify success in that particular position. So for example, you might have a position in your organization for someone who is maintaining the grounds. You may want to put in some details about what proper maintenance of the grounds or the facilities will be when you're making that job description so they know the level of attainment that they're trying to reach, whether or not you want it to be perfect or if you just want it to be okay. You might want to put that in there as a measure of success. And then you also want to include in that brief overview how the position fits within your organization. And hopefully the strategy map that we talked about in our previous series has given you some kind of idea of how exactly all the different roles in your organization fit together, especially when it comes to your strategy. And you should be able to better explain that in this brief overview of the job description. Then the next part of the job description is to list out the essential duties and responsibilities of the job and try to keep that to between five and seven things. And you may not need even that many, but you definitely want to keep it to the essential five to seven things. Just otherwise your job description will get really long and overwhelming. So try to think about exactly what you need that person to do in order to fulfill their role well. And then the final thing to include in the job description are the qualifications for being in that job. So about five to seven qualifications, different skills that people need in order to fulfill the role, physical abilities. You don't want somebody like me trying to lift 50-pound things 
if that's part of a job, I can tell you right now, I'm not going to be lifting anything that weighs 50 pounds. And if I do, it's not going to be pretty in the end. So you may have a few jobs like that where you have some physical abilities that you need people to be able to have in order to perform the role. And when we're talking about leadership in ministry context, depending on the job, you may have certain spiritual maturity levels or spiritual practices that you're expecting people to have when they go into that particular job. You're not going to need the same level of spirituality or spiritual maturity in somebody who's cutting the lawn versus somebody who's going to be at the very top level of your organization or somebody who's going to be teaching other people in your organization. So you may want to consider that as well. So that's the foundation of being able to evaluate the people in the various roles in your organization. At least they'll know at that point what's being expected of them, and some of the details surrounding that and whether or not they're qualified. Now, I do have to say that sometimes you can put qualifications in there and you may find that you'll have people who will be excellent at the job but don't quite have all of the qualifications. In that case, it's always best if you have somebody who's well-suited but not quite there on all of the skills and qualifications that you need to get them training or pair them up with somebody so that they can improve on those skills and eventually fulfill that role in the way that you've envisioned it when you wrote out the job description. It's a lot better to fit somebody into a role where they have one or two things missing than to just say, well, I guess you're not qualified for this and just dismiss them as a candidate for the position altogether. You'll probably never find somebody who's absolutely perfect in a role. Everybody's working on different things and you'll want to be able to look at an individual and decide whether or not the things that they're missing are things that you can fairly quickly and easily get them up to speed on so they can move into that role. So once you have the job description down, it should be a lot easier to move into this next part of what I'm going to be discussing here for planning out the performance of your teams. So there's three things that you want to be able to evaluate when you are looking at the people who are fulfilling various roles in your organization. The first one especially for ministries, is the spiritual aspect of what is required for a person in a particular role. So it will be different for every role in your organization. And like I said before, you don't need somebody who's super spiritual mowing the lawns. That's not a requirement. But you definitely don't want somebody who's teaching Bible studies who almost never reads the Bible. You don't want somebody who's an elder or a deacon in your church who never prays. Like there will be certain roles in your church where you'll definitely want to outline some of the spiritual maturity and spiritual disciplines that are needed in order to fulfill that role. You may also want to include some spiritual gifts inventory as well. If somebody has a spiritual gift of teaching, then you definitely want to develop those skills and the gifts that they have and the talents and put them into that particular role of teaching. If some 
somebody has the gift of being a great administrator, but they're missing a few of the other qualifications that you'd like them to have for a particular role in administrating the church or the ministry that you're in, that's a great opportunity to develop that person further so that they can thrive in that particular role that they're being put into. And the second thing that you want to be able to evaluate is behavior. Now, if you recall back in episode 11, we talked about leading and lagging indicators. So leading indicators are if you're measuring those, you can tell that you're on the right track. Lagging indicators, you're looking back at what you've already done to see what the results are. So when you're evaluating behavior and also the spiritual aspect, the spiritual maturity, if you're evaluating those two things, then you're essentially monitoring the leading indicators of whether or not that person's going to be able to be successful in that role. If somebody is supposed to be leading a ministry, but they're not very good at helping groups get along with each other and work together and communicating to them what's being expected of them and how their roles all work together. If you don't see those behaviors in someone, then that's probably not a good role for them right now until they develop those behaviors. So that's where the core competencies come in. We talked a lot about the core competencies in episode 10 when we talked about learning and growth. And those core competencies should be part of the qualifications that you include in your job description. So if you need somebody to be a good communicator, if you need somebody to be a team player, if you need somebody to be able to explain numbers to people, if you need somebody who's able to resolve conflicts in a particular role, those are all core competencies that you want to include in there. And in episode 10, we talked a lot about core competencies and and different maps for how to evaluate and reach particular competencies. And I included some examples in the links for that particular episode of how different organizations have outlined their core competencies that are required for their positions or examples of core competencies. And they've broken them out by different levels, like level one, which is very basic, level two, which is in the middle, and level three, which is like your top And then within those three levels to say these are the behaviors for somebody who's below expectations in that level, who meet expectations in that level, and who's above and beyond expectations in that level, and they'll write it all out. So you can look at those resources in episode 10 and see examples of that. And a lot of the time, you don't necessarily have to come up with a lot of this stuff on your own. There'll be lots of examples of a breakdown of that sort, say online or in different areas. You may be able to contact somebody in your denomination if you're part of a denominational body, and they may have some of that already. And you might not even need to reinvent the wheel on all these behavioral things either. There may be certain clusters of behaviors that will be common to particular roles in your church. For example, people who are leading ministries or leading different departments within your organization or just leading in general, they will need to have certain competencies in common with each other. Even though they're working in different roles in different areas of your organization, they should have certain skills and behaviors in common. So that way you can make it a lot easier for people to understand if you're going to be in a leadership position and managing teams and managing programs and managing projects. These are the different things that you need to be able to do. So some of them I've already mentioned, communication, leading groups, 
conflict management. There's all kinds of different competencies that you'll definitely at least want to see in those people before they're even considered for a management position. But you may find that there's other competencies in other roles that you can kind of cluster together so you don't have to keep coming up with all the ways to evaluate people's level within those skill sets. You may be able to just write it at one time and apply it to all these different areas that need that particular skill set. And the third thing you want to be able to evaluate are the results that you're expecting from those particular roles in your organization. And hopefully if you've created your strategy map and you've started to filter that down through your organization and help people figure out how they fit into that strategy map that you've created, it should be fairly easy to come up with the results that you're looking for from a particular role in your organization. And in some cases, your results might be just to develop people's skills. Like it it will depend on where you are in the development of the organization. You might not want results financially or when it comes to having big impacts in serving the people that you serve. But your goal may be at this stage just to develop the skills and the abilities of your people in your organization, the people that you work with. Because as we know, if we don't develop the people, they can't do the job that we want them to do, and therefore they can't serve the people that the Lord wants us to serve in our, as an organization. So you need to start on that foundation and build the foundation and build it up and build it up so you can reach that level that you want to reach. And I just wanted to mention too, like why it's important to evaluate both the behavior and the results. I've been in situations where people have, you know, they're friendly, they're great to work with, they bring everybody together and are able to resolve conflicts and stuff, but they're not very good at producing the results in the end. And sometimes it's not totally their fault. Sometimes the results that they're looking for are not well defined, but you probably know some of those people who are just great to be around and lots of fun and just everybody loves them, but they don't seem to get to the end goal very often. Then you may know other people who are great at getting results. They know what they're trying to do. They know how to do it. They go and do it. But the whole time when you're trying to deal with them, it's just misery because they're not very nice. They run over people instead of listening to them. They think they're always right. There's all kinds of ways that somebody can be miserable to work with, but still get the results. And really, if you're going to have a pleasant experience working with people, you want people who have both both the behaviors you want, the good positive behaviors that are helpful to the organization, and the ability to get the results. You really need both of those things. And then, of course, the foundation of all of those things, the results and the behavior, is the spiritual aspect when it comes to ministry. If you're not focused on the why, which is to advance the kingdom to serve the Lord, then you can have great behaviors and results, but the heart is not behind it. So you need that spiritual foundation first at whatever level is required for a particular role. And hopefully those people who are in those roles are developing that spirituality and that maturity even further. So if they want, they can move into roles that require more spiritual maturity. Then you get that behavior, which should also come out of that spiritual maturity. Because as we know, as we become more spiritually mature, we have more of those positive, helpful behaviors especially when it comes to serving other people. And then if the behaviors are in line, then the results should come 
automatically. So first you're measuring the leading indicators of the spiritual disciplines, the spiritual maturity and the behaviors. And then when everything's said and done, you evaluate the results, the lagging indicators of what you're trying to go for. So I would encourage you as the time goes on and as you talk with your teams and evaluate how everything is going, that you first create your job descriptions. And I know you're not going to know everything that needs to be known for every role in your organization, unless you're in a very small organization, but allow the people who are actually doing those roles to help you determine how to write the job description because they're the ones doing it. They know best what needs to be done. So they can definitely help with the essential duties and responsibilities and some of the qualifications because they may have found when they got into those positions that they didn't quite have everything that they needed or realize all of the things that they needed to do when they were in the position. And you may also notice when you're writing up the job descriptions that everyone reports to you. And if that's the case and you're in a decent-sized organization, you may want to start spreading some of that reporting out to people so that everyone doesn't have to come to you for all of the questions that they have, all of the help they need. Spread it out. It's the same as what when Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, went to visit him. Jethro noticed that Moses was doing all of the judging. And he said, this is not good. It's not healthy. You need people to help you with this. You can't be sitting here from day till night doing all these things. So that's when they appointed different judges from the leaders of the Israelites. And there were so many judges were over so many people and they just kind of cascaded it down. And then the more difficult issues went to Moses and the less difficult issues went to, through these different layers of helpers that they created. And that allowed Moses to be a lot more effective in his position. So I encourage you to think about that, especially if you notice when you're writing these job descriptions that everybody reports to you. So after you create your job descriptions, then it should be a lot easier to solidify and assign the core competencies, the skills and the behaviors that you want people in those particular positions to have because you should have likely listed them out in the qualifications or in the essential duties. You should be able to get hints of what those core competencies need to be for that position by looking at the job description that you've created. And then once you get those core competencies all sorted out and how you're going to, like the things you're going to look for when you're evaluating the different levels of core competencies, whether somebody's needing more training in a particular area or somebody's okay or somebody's just excellent and should be kept in mind for something that may be a little more complicated than what they're doing right now if they're willing to move into a different role. Once you get that done, then you can cascade the goals from your strategy map based on where that particular role is down to that person so that they understand what results they're expected to get based on their position within the strategy map that you've already created. Now, I realize that all of this seems to be a lot of work, and it is. I'm not going to lie. It's not always the most exciting work either, although if you take it as an opportunity to meet with all of the people who are fulfilling different roles in your organization, it can actually be very helpful. But the good news is once you get a lot of this work done and kind of solidified, then it should make it a lot easier to fill different roles in your organization or in your ministry because when people look at these job descriptions 
and the core competencies that they need in order to be in those positions and the goals that you're trying to get them to achieve, it should give them a much better idea of whether or not they're actually able to take on that position at this time or if they can take it on but they don't have quite everything that they need to fulfill the role, then you'll know exactly where they need that extra help. You'll be able to pinpoint where they need extra training or extra mentoring or extra support until they're able to get to the level that they really need to be in order to fulfill the role completely on their own. So that's how it can be helpful. You put in a lot of work up front, but in the end, it's usually beneficial both to you as the leader, to the organization as a whole, and to the person who is in that role so they're not surprised by things that happen to come up when they're performing that role. So on our next episode, we're going to be discussing providing ongoing feedback to the people on your teams and how to go about doing that and some of the most helpful ways of doing that. Because as we all know, it's a lot better to get feedback, whether you're doing everything right or everything wrong or a mix, as you go along than to get all the way through a project or a program or whatever and realize, oh, this wasn't what we were supposed to be doing at all. If you get the feedback consistently all the way through, then you're able to correct your course and get to the result that you're looking for instead of getting all the way to the end and realizing, I didn't do this right at all. I've done that a few times on a few things, and it would have been nice to have some feedback along the way so that I knew I was going in the right direction. So we'll discuss that on our episode next week, and I look forward to talking to you then. Thank you for joining me for today's episode of CEO Passion Podcast. I hope you discovered an idea that you can apply in your unique ministry context. Head over to CEOPastor.com for more resources and meet up with me and other church leaders on social media for further discussion. Any questions or suggestions, email me at podcast at CEOPastor.com. And don't forget to share, rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast to help spread the word that managing ministry better makes ministry better.